Awesome. Good morning, everyone. Can you all hear me? Awesome. How beautiful is worship this morning? Just so beautiful to be in His presence. And I always get um, so wrecked by that song, Knowing You, Jesus. Oh, you're my all. You're the best. He's the best. Amen. You're my joy, my righteousness, and I love you, Lord. Oh, he's so good. We're continuing our um, sermon series uh, this morning. Basically, it's all about that. Knowing him, he's our one thing, our, our priority. He's the one thing that we need, Jesus is, is knowing Him, intimacy with Him. Everything in this life flows from that place of knowing Him. And so Tim shared a couple of weeks ago about Mary and Martha and, and Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus, choosing the better thing. Uh, his, his presence, Jesus' presence is our first priority before any good works that we do for Him. And how serving Jesus can actually become a distraction and take away our focus from being with Him um, and last week, Sam spoke from Matthew 6 on seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, not seeking first the cares of this world, but as we seek first the kingdom of, kingdom of God and his righteousness, he will add all of those things, all of those basic necessities to us. And it's been interesting as a staff team, God has been speaking to us all separately and individually about this theme in our own lives without us coming together really. And as we've been sharing them together, we've been realizing, wow, we're, we're all, God's really speaking to us as a team. And, um, and, and I think it's just so relevant in, in today's, where, where we're at right now as a church and just everything that's going on in the world. Um, and so... I want to share some, a bit of a, I guess, some of my own journey with this theme and what God has been highlighting to me. Um, I apologize if it might be a bit of a rabbit trail. I'm going to throw a lot of scriptures out there at you today, um, so try and follow along. Um, but the topic that I'm going to speak on is faith, rest versus anxious living. So I'm just going to pray, Lord, I just thank you for this morning. I thank you that we can gather together and, and, and come around your word. I pray that as I share, Lord, that they would be your words, God, that anything that is not from you, God, would just fall to the ground. God, I pray that what, yeah, what you have to say today, God, would convict our hearts and, and speak to us deeply, Lord, that we would leave this place changed. We would not leave this place the same as we came today, God. Um, and we just pray that you would have all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. So, faith rest versus anxious living. What is faith rest? What do I mean when I say that? And I'm going to look at some scripture later that explains this, but just to define it for you, faith rest is the process of understanding, believing, and applying the doctrines and promises of God's word in times of testing in our Christian lives. Faith rest is the outworking of our salvation. It's not just giving our lives to God in a one-time event, but the ongoing nature of being saved. Faith rest is a posture of rest that comes from believing the promises of God. For example, believing in the finished work of the cross, in God's character and His nature, in the plan of redemption, in who He says that I am. It's what comes from our lives as we, as we walk in faith. It's a posture of rest. The fruit of of, of these things is salvation. It's ceasing from self-justifying works. It's freedom from the cares of this life. 
living for eternity, not for the here and now, but for eternity, for His kingdom and His righteousness. And so to help us today, I'm going to put together a bit of a table, hope you can see that. Um, And so I'm going to add to that as we go. And so we see faith rest exemplified in Mary as she sits at the feet of Jesus. She's not worried about the things that need to get done for the, the, the banquet that's happening. She just wants to be with Jesus. She sits in this posture of rest. We see faith rest in Matthew 6. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So what is anxious living? If we're going to look at both, I want to define that for us this morning. Well, anxious living, um, it's in direct opposition to this posture of rest. Of, of resting in the promises of God by faith. It's living in reaction to and directly affected by the world around us. It's not applying the promises of God in times of testing. It's giving in to the pressures of the world around us and emotional mood and climate. It's living in fear and stress, worry and doubt, living by our, working by our own strength to gain what only God can give us. It's living for the here and now. And so here on this table, we keep adding to it. We see perhaps Martha, busy Martha, in this posture of anxious living. We've got to to get this done. There's people coming, you know. Um, And and in Matthew 6, it's seeking first the kingdom of, of, enter your own name. Um, It's seeking first the kingdom of Matt. What are my needs? What do I need first? Rather than seeking first God's kingdom. And self-righteousness and striving through works. This is anxious living. So this is a big intro, by the way, guys, and I'm going to get into the scriptures soon. But causes of anxious living, um, and I feel like we can all, we'll all be able to relate to this, but the things that, that can add to this posture of, of being anxious in life can be things like keeping up with the newest, latest trends. It could be having materialistic things. Do you have the, the biggest, newest, newest HD, OLED, high-res 3D TV? The nicest clothing, the most expensive brand, the latest car or phone. We went to North Lakes yesterday and, oh my goodness, we were just bombarded with sales and marketing and just the things you see and hear, the world news, the TV, newspaper, social media, adverts, um, marketing strategies, supermarkets, shopping malls, billboards, everywhere. Food prices are going up, fuel prices are going up, interest rates, COVID cases, I could keep going. Um, Popular opinions, government issues, social issues, social norms, like raising a family, providing enough, maybe even personal health crises or family crises, getting into the property market, renting a house, buying or selling a house. Are you feeling anxious yet? (laughs) I know I'm feeling anxious. (laughs) You can feel it in the room, you know. The fruit of these things is what most most often is, is worry and fear Oppression, stress, anxiety, concern. Who can relate to, to those things this morning? Who can, who can relate to that feeling of just, it's just all around us? Um, and so that's what I want to talk about is, is how do we posture ourselves in this world to fulfill our biblical mandate with all that life brings? How do we continue to be salt and light? How do we be a city on a hill that cannot be hidden? to be bearers of good news when there's so much bad news around us? How do we fulfill the Great Commission and make disciples of all nations? And I believe it's that we must live in a posture of faith, rest. We're called to be set apart, 
transformed by the renewing of our minds, not conformed to the patterns of this world, not to be bound up like the world around us. We have to be in the world, but not of the world. And so, yeah, God has been speaking to me in, in, in my life about this, and I, I, not, not living from a place of rest, and I've, I've recognized this in my own world, and, um, and, and I recognize it's, it's a challenge, it's a daily challenge, um, it's a battle, and, and, and I see it in so many other, other people's lives as well, um, and really, I, I'm tired of seeing Christians bound up and, and living under the influence of the culture around us, and and um, not living out the culture of the kingdom and the abundant life that God ha- has promised to us. And I'm not talking about a utopia or a perfect life. I'm talking about um, it, it wouldn't be free from pressures or trials, but it's, it's how we posture ourselves in those moments in our lives. So first, I want to look at the scripture that Bob spoke this morning. Um, Come to me. All who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This is Jesus speaking, and it's an invitation to, to come to him. All of us who, are, who, are, who labor and are heavy burdened, who live anxiously, you know, that the world around us is trying to put stuff on us, that, that, that makes us heavy and weary, and, and he, but Jesus says that he will give us rest. We're called to learn from Jesus, to walk with him, work with him. His yoke is easy, and his burden is light. Um, and so this is actually a bit of an oxymoron, what Jesus says here. He says uh, that the, a yoke is something that would be used to go on the shoulders of, of two ox to tie them together, and it's heavy. It's a heavy piece of wood that would sit on the shoulders of an ox. Jesus says, my, my yoke is easy. And, and he says, my burden is, is light. But a, but a burden, if someone was to give you a burden, you wouldn't say it's typically a light thing. So what is this rest that he gives us? So this is where I want to dive into some scripture, and I'm just going to throw them all at you. So if you're taking notes, write down the, the, um, the scripture reference um, so John 14, 20, 27, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. And this is a promise from God that we do not need to be troubled or afraid in this world. We do not live in fear in this world. It's not part of the redeemed life that Jesus has freely given to us. Not as the world gives do I give to you. What, what does the world give but all of those things that, we've, that I've mentioned before leading to an anxious life? But Jesus says, let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. I, John 16, 33 says, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Jesus doesn't say we're going to be free from difficulty or trials in life. But he says, take heart. He has overcome. He, he is the one that can give us peace in this world. The next passage is Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. So not only do we not fear the world because Jesus has overcome the world, 
but we are now filled with the Spirit, with all joy and peace and are abounding in hope. Let me ask you, are you a Christian living in this world today who is full of joy and abounding in hope, a hope that is eternal? The next one is Ephesians 2, verse 13 to 14. But now in Christ Jesus, you who are once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace. His peace is the defining difference that gives that he gives to us compared to the world around us. The world is not at peace. What would it be like to be recognized as his followers by the peace that he gives to us? When you're in the the supermarket and someone says, why is peace? As you have conversations with them, what's this peace? It's Jesus. To add to our table, In a posture of faith rest, Jesus' yoke is easy. His burden is light. He himself is our peace. But in a posture of anxious living, life is hard. Burdens are heavy. The weight of the world is on our shoulders. We are without peace. And someone I want to look at today in Scripture who had this peace that I'm talking about is David. King David lived about a thousand years before Jesus, and he was a shepherd in in the fields of Bethlehem. He was the youngest of seven brothers, and he, he, he was overlooked. He was an aft, afterthought. He was rejected by his family. He was isolated and experienced emotional and physical and spiritual isolation. We know that David wrote many of the Psalms, and, and he was to become king of, of Israel. He was anointed at a young age, and it, when he became king, he, he led in a very anxious uh, environment undergoing tr- tremendous cultural change. Um, if you know about David, uh, he, he came after King Saul, and, and, and it, was, it was an anxious time. There was a lot going on. Yet David is recognized in Scripture as one of the most outstanding leaders the world has ever seen. And the main thing that set David apart was this, that David had encountered God's presence in isolation in the wilderness as a shepherd and was a man after God's own heart. And we see this in Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And this psalm reflects the life of a shepherd, isolated from human connection and community, yet vulnerable, yet he was walking closely with God dependent on him for everything. And, and Sam was talking about this last week, that he, to be dependent, seek first the kingdom of God, be dependent on God for everything, just as David was. And when David declares that the Lord is his shepherd, he's, he's expressing this utter dependency. As sheep, we must all place our dependency on the shepherd. And it's important to note that sheep are an anxious bunch of creatures, right? They, they're, as a flock, they're an anxious system. Um, 
they, they, at, the, at the sound of, of a, a wild animal, they just will go crazy. And yet the presence of the shepherd calms this, enabling the sheep to lie down in green pastures. Our shepherd makes us lie down in green pastures. He leads us beside still waters, is with us in the valley of the shadow of death. He prepares a table before us in the presence of our enemies. He's a good shepherd. And so a posture of faith rest looks like dependency on the presence of the shepherd, whereas a posture of anxious, living anxiously looks like sheep lost and astray without a shepherd. And so really my point is that we need the presence of the shepherd His presence is the antidote to our anxiousness. How's everyone doing? That's why I just love worship this morning, because it's His presence. We come into His presence, and in His presence, there's fullness of joy. So I want to keep going. So that's that's my first point there. I want to look next at a passage in Hebrews that, God's been speaking to me about and really has brought this whole topic up for me. And, um, and it speaks to us of the history of the people of Israel in the wilderness and what, what hindered them from actually entering God's rest and how we can learn from them. Um, and it's a massive passage and, and, and I can't go into it all, but I'm going to try and summarize it. So let me read it out. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness, where your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was provoked with that generation and said, they always go astray in their heart. They have not known my ways, and as I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another, Every day, as long as it, is, as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. What is going on there? So what we read is, is the author of Hebrews describing God's people who were in the wilderness. This is in the Old Testament. Um, the, the people of Israel, they'd seen the power of God deliver them up from the hand of, of Pharaoh in Egypt, yet they still failed to enter the promised rest that God had for them because of unbelief, because of lack of faith and a hardness of heart. And Hebrews, Hebrews is in the New Testament, and the the author warns us here that even though we could look at it and and say, well, yes, he's talking about salvation, um, and he's talking in the Old Testament about entering the promised land, the the author here is saying that this is actually a heart issue We must look at the history of of Israel and take care that we do not become like them. And and it's not not lighthearted. There's a real seriousness to the the message that the author here is trying to share with us. He says that it's their unbelief or lack of faith in God and His promises that caused hardness of heart, which then caused their rebellion and then a complete turning away from God. And one hindrance to entering God's rest is unbelief or lack of faith, like we said before. Our faith in the promises of God can be seriously impacted by this anxious society 
whether we give into its pressures or conform to its patterns. And in the context of, of what I'm sharing today in, in this message is if we're not careful in, in this anxious world, we can easily become like the people of Israel in the wilderness and miss out on the fullness of God's promises for us. We miss out on God's rest, on, on this posture that he's called us to live in. So even though there's a warning in there, the author goes on to give us the solution. And the solution is this. He says, exhort one another every day as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. So what is exhortation? Exhortation means to call near, to to warn, to invite, to be of good comfort, and to strongly encourage. So we must strongly encourage one another in our faith. We must warn one another not to succumb to the anxious world around us, as I am today, strongly encouraging. We must exercise this gift towards one another. And he says to do it daily with one another. So what is this? It's community. Who loves community? If we will strengthen our faith and avoid the ruin of unbelief, we must be around other Christians who will strongly encourage us. Exhortation within community is one of the things that keeps us in faith. When one's faith is weak, we have each other. We need each other. That is the beauty of the body of Christ and and the wider community of believers. But how do you know when someone's faith is weak? It, It requires them to be vulnerable. And healthy community looks like knowing others and being known by others in a deep way. And sometimes we can know a lot about someone on the surface, but do we know them in a, in a deep way? Like we could know about a celebrity and we could see about their lives, but do you know them personally? Or even Jesus, we could know a lot about him from reading the scriptures, but do we have a personal relationship with him? Maybe people know about you and, and, and you're able to share things with them. Maybe you struggle to, to be vulnerable with other people. But yeah, John, First John talks about walking in the light as he is in the light, and we will have fellowship with one another by the blood of the Lamb. So we walk in the light, and, and John goes on to conf- say, confess your sins before one another. And, and, and it's actually that in that, in being vulnerable with one another, um, we, we will have really deep community. And this is something that God has been highlighting to me and I've been practicing is gathering with fellow brothers and sharing things and walking with them and being vulnerable and, and the fruit that it's been bearing in my life has been so, um, so rich and so, so fruitful and, and the beauty of, 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 of being able to walk with brothers and, and sisters in, in, in a vulnerable way is that as soon as you bring things into the light, there's freedom, there's, there's joy because we're no longer called to be bound up. Um, and I think another part of this that I wanted to touch on is that I see that we have a, a dilemma in, in our generation. When I say that, I say from young to old, especially post-COVID. I know we're still a bit in COVID, and, and, and there's people who can't join us today who are sick, and we pray healing over you. Um, but I think that there's this dilemma where, where s- sometimes we forget the need and, and, and the, how necessary it is to g- be able to gather and, and, and to be a part of a community of believers and, and really submit our lives to one another. 
to, to, to uh, gather together and invite input, to participate in each other's lives, giving permission for others to, to stir up our faith and challenge us and to live out the gospel in this posture of faith rest. And, and Hebrews 10 actually speaks about this and says, let us not neglect meeting together as some have the habit of doing, rather let us encourage each other all the more as you see the day approaching. So we need community. Exhortation is an antidote to our unbelief. So I'm almost at the end here. I'm going to wrap it up, but let's just look at the table one last time. In a posture of faith rest, we enter God's promises, a promised rest by continuing in faith and exhorting one another in community. And in a posture of anxious living, we fail to enter God's rest because of hardness of heart. So let me, let me ask, how do we enter this rest that I'm talking about by faith in, a, in such an anxious world? How do we live set apart as the salt and the light, free from the pressures crushing us from all sides? And so I want to give some really practical applications that have been helping me recently to unsubscribe from this anxious and reactionary um, posture of living. And so came up with an acronym so that everyone could remember it. First one is R. Remain in his presence. Come to him. He invites us to come to him. All who are weary and heavy laden, he is the one that will give you rest. He is our shepherd. Like we looked at David, he makes us lie down in green pastures. He leads us beside peaceful streams. Make Jesus your one thing. Make his presence your one thing. Be a, a, a man and a woman after God's own heart. Be in the Word. Fill, fill your homes with, and cars with worship music and, and set your heart on the Lord. His presence is the one thing that will sustain us and set us apart in this crazy world. Next is E, exhortation, community. Encourage one another in our faith. Be good community to one another. Like I was saying before, it, t- it takes knowing and being known to participate in community. And I'm not just talking about church on a Sunday. I'm talking about in our homes, in our worlds, in our workplaces, being, being, um, being that light for people, um, being a safe place for people. And I, I really believe one of the best places to do community is around good food. Um, we all have to eat. Um, we all generally eat at 6 p.m. on every evening if, if you're on time, um, or 6.30. But I encourage you, invite people into your home. Get to know them. Be vulnerable. Practice being vulnerable with people. Practice listening to people. Exhort one another, meaning strongly encourage each other in our faith so that we would not succumb to this world around us, just like the Israelites did. The next one is S, Sabbath and solitude. It might sound like when I say solitude, it sounds opposite to community, but the reality is we actually need solitude as well. And it's solitude and alone time with God that that makes community so fruitful. We gather around our common unity, which is Jesus, but first we must spend time alone with Him. Let us be known like the disciples who were just ordinary and common people, yet they had been with Jesus. We bring his presence and his peace into community from a place of solitude. And, and really practically, Sabbath, um, what does that look like? Make space for God. Maybe it looks like a day 
set, a, set aside. Maybe it looks like taking a drive out to the, to the mountains or to the beach and just sitting and being still. Turn off the TV. Don't buy the newspaper. Fast social me- media or Netflix. Make, make a day for the Lord, non-negotiable. And the last one, to follow on from John, who, who's been sharing basically the whole book of um, Philippians this morning in worship, which is awesome. We got to chapter four now, which says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. In every situation, pray with thanksgiving. He is a God who listens. He is a God who is near to us. He is not distant. Ask for his peace and he will give it. A peace that transcends our understanding beyond our understanding. And when peace seems impossible, remember this. With our God, anything is possible. So I'm going to pray just to wrap it up. God, I thank you. I thank you, Jesus, for your word. I thank you for your promises that you promise us that when we come to you, when we are weary, when we are burdened, you give us a rest. You give us a peace that transcends our understanding, God, even in the hardest and the most difficult situations. There is nothing impossible for you, and and you give us an impossible peace, Lord. And I pray, Lord, over this church, I pray for this congregation that we would be people of peace. God, that we would be vessels of peace. God, as we go out into the world, into our workplaces, into our our homes and our families, Lord, God, we would be recognized as ones who have been with you. God, that your peace would, would, would flow out of us, Lord, to others that people would, would even ask us, ask us the question this week, what is it about you? Why are you different? Why is it that these things don't worry you? Why are you not concerned? God, I pray that we would be people with our eyes set on the hope of eternity. God, that we would not get bogged down by the things of this life, but we would seek first your kingdom. We would seek first your righteousness. Your presence, God, would be our priority. Yeah, we give you all the glory, Jesus. Would, would you just use this last song to, to really minister and solidify to our hearts the word that you've spoken today? And, um, and yeah, we just ask that, that you would have all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, guys.